0: you look back at the story of that first Christmas, what becomes pretty obvious is that if you or I had been God, we simply wouldn't have done it that way. Truly. So, why did he? Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and welcome again to A Different Perspective, as we draw ever closer to Christmas in a year of upheaval that none of us could ever have predicted. This week on the program, we've been unraveling the story of Christmas, not from a pantomime perspective, not from some commercial perspective, not from a oh, few, finally a few days off perspective, but just looking at the plain, simple story that God recorded for us and asking, what does it tell us about God? We've looked this week at Mary and and the scandal of her pregnancy while she was still engaged to Joseph. We've looked at the wise men from the East, the Magi, the astrologers, and how God went out of his way to call them to his son. We've looked at the danger that Jesus was in, the, the murder of the infants fleeing for his life as a refugee to Egypt. And I'm pretty sure that none of us, were we in God's shoes, would have chosen any of those things for our son, would we? What about that carpenter's shop in Nazareth when they returned from Egypt? Imagine you're God and you bring your son into the world and you think, well, if you and I were God, wouldn't we make him a king or someone important or, or at least a lecturer at a Bible college? But it's not what happened. If you read about the story in Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 19, when Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to a dream to Joseph in Egypt because they were refugees. They had to flee for their lives because Herod wanted to kill Jesus. In this dream, the angel said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are now dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But he heard that Achilles was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, and he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went another dream. God uses these dreams, you know. After being warned in a dream, he went to a town called Nazareth in the district of Galilee, so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Jesus would be called a Nazarene. Now, Jesus grows up as a little boy and then a teenager and then as a young man, as a poor carpenter in nowhere'sville in nazareth so he has this kind of ignominious beginning to his life as the son of god on this earth so if jesus came to reveal god to us what do we learn about god through this first christmas i mean the old testament talks about a god who is sovereign and powerful and transcendent and huge In the book of Isaiah, God says, to whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One? Go on, lift up your eyes. Look at all the stars and see who created these. But here at Christmas, we see this greatness of God reduced to the size of a single fertilized egg not even visible to the human eye. Born in a stable with a stench of cow dung and urine on the floor, hunted down made a refugee, the massacre of the infants who were around the same age as Jesus, slinking back into Nazareth to eke out this ignominious existence as a carpenter, relying on two teenage bumpkins, Mary and Joseph, for safety and nurture while he was being brought up and then went as a refugee. And always this hint of the scandal of Mary's little illegitimate child because she fell pregnant while she was still engaged to Joseph. God may well be great and and powerful and huge and transcendent, but in this Christmas story, I have to say, hang on a minute! My God became small for me. My God is is a humble God. See, if you look at our understanding, or let me use the word doctrine, of the incarnation, Jesus is the Son of God and the Son of Man. He's fully God and fully man. He's the same, yet he's different. But if we really asked ourselves the question, is he more? the same as me, or is he more different to me, we would probably come to the conclusion that Jesus was fundamentally different to us. But like Luther, I believe that if we are even to begin to understand what God is saying to us through this Jesus, through Christmas, we have to understand that Jesus is God deep graven in the flesh. Like that candy cane, on the one hand it's, it's white and pure and blameless, and so Jesus is different. But on the other hand, it has the red stripes on it, the stripes of blood. He's like us. He lived, he suffered, he cried, he struggled like us, just like you and me. And we can have the best theological doctrine of incarnation, yet completely miss the point that in Jesus, God is humble. He showed us that in a profound way at Christmas. He chose his time. He chose his circumstances. He chose the stable and the animals. He chose to become a refugee. He chose to have his life threatened by Herod. That's why Jesus was later able to say, Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, for I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls what a con- what a contradiction the god who created all the universe all the stars all the galaxies this whole earth all the people everything in it this amazingly powerful god becomes a humble god but then everything about jesus is a contradiction On the one hand, he he was the Lion of Judah, and he was, you could see him when he railed against the religious hypocrisy. And yet on the other, he was the Lamb of God who was sacrificed for the sins of this world, Who, who stood there in front of Pontius Pilate and never stood up for himself. And when I look at this Jesus, there's something real, there's something authentic about this God. And he has a humility about him that we can take on ourselves, that we can carry around in our hearts. Come to me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, says Jesus. Wow, what do you get out of this story, this Christmas story, when you look at it? This this Mary and Joseph and having to ride the donkey all those miles to Bethlehem and then getting there and having nowhere to stay. and, And, I mean... If you're a woman and you've ever had children, you know what it's like to be towards the end of your pregnancy and how uncomfortable it is. Can you imagine riding a donkey for a couple of weeks? Can you imagine going and giving birth in a stable? The Son of God. How must they have felt, you know, all the promises from the angels and everything, and here they were, the cold, hard reality in some drafty, smelly stable. We know how it ends. We've got the New Testament. You know, We can see that Jesus was the Son of God. He did miraculous things. He was crucified. He rose again. The church grew out of that and for the last 2,000 years has been thriving. But Joseph and Mary and, and the people at that time, they didn't know how it was going to end. They knew none of that. Philip Yancey summed it up this way. He said, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, an apostle would later write. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. But the few eyewitnesses on Christmas night, they saw none of that. They saw an infant struggling to work his never-before-used lungs. God becomes a man in a stable. And through that, he says to you and me, I am humble of heart. I didn't come just for the rich and the powerful and the famous and the wealthy and, and the holier than thou's. I became low to speak this truth into your heart. I came for everyone. I came for you. Before I go, I'd just like to remind you that if you have a prayer need, we would love to pray for you. Listen, the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. Just let that sink in. The only sort of prayer the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. So if you'd like us to pray with you, in fact, if you'd like our whole prayer community to pray with you, stop by online at powerfulprayer.org to share your prayer request. It's completely confidential. Your name won't be displayed. And in fact, while you're there, perhaps you could pray for one or two others and leave them an encouraging word. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So let us pray for you and with you. And let's just see what God does, how he intervenes, how he chooses to bless you. That web address again is PowerfulPrayer.org. I'm Bernie Tymot. Catch you again same time Monday with A Different Perspective.